sets their soul on fire. I love to talk to people about what sets my soul on fire. And within those two groups, what sets them on fire, what sets me on fire, how difficult it is to pursue those things that make us feel alive, mentally difficult, physically difficult. With all of that said, when I speak to people about running and specifically running longer endurance races, marathons, organized races, those are the conversations where more often than not people say, there is no way I could do that, or how on earth do you even run more than one mile, or I just don't have what it takes to actually be a runner. And I'm going to tell you something. Way back when, eons ago, I was probably 22, 23 years old, I really wanted to become a runner. I didn't have any marathons in mind. I didn't even have that as a goal to run a marathon. I literally just wanted to be able to run a mile without stopping. I remember with my roommate at the time, we would go for runs and critique each other's form to try to help each other get better. I made it a goal to run every day for a while. And I got pretty good at running. But then when I was around 27, 28, and I moved to Washington, had a new roommate, and he was a marathon runner. He is a marathon runner. Half marathons, got it. I don't think he's done marathons, but he absolutely could. Half marathons are just his jam. He loves it. So I started running with him with the goal of then running a half marathon with him. And it hit me how damn hard it is to get better at running. Running is one of those things. It's elusive in terms of, I don't know how to necessarily gauge if I'm getting better. Or I just cannot seem to grasp this and it feels so hard. Running for me is the Sisyphean task of endurance activities. I feel like I try so hard and I end up with so little. Though that is a facade and I want to be very clear it's a facade. If you are working towards something, if you are trying to get better every time you put on your running shoes and your feet hit the pavement or the tread, you are making strides in your progress. You may not realize it right then, but say I spend a couple months at my lower heart rate threshold zone running. I don't go into a high heart rate zone and I keep it at a pretty chill level. Do that for a couple of months. It might feel like I'm getting nowhere, but the third month, say I try for a PR in a 5K, I will most likely blow my last PR out of the water because of training. And the training with running is so sneaky that you just get better and better. And then when you really put it to the test, you surprise yourself so much. I'm here to tell you, as your friend and as the host of the You're Not Qualified podcast, welcome back, by the way, that you can become a better runner. You can become a runner if you're not yet a runner. And you can compete in a marathon. I'm going to give you a little bit of statistics here. About 50 million Americans or 15% of the U.S. population participate in some form of running or jogging. This is according to a 2022 report from the Statista Research Department. That is just people that participate in some form of running or jogging, not necessarily participate to then participate in a race, an organized race, marathon, half marathon, 5K, 10K, what have you. Ultramarathon group of people is probably 
quite low compared to that, but 15% of the U.S. population just runs. That is quite low. Now, we are under in the U.S. here. We are below the Netherlands. We are below Ireland, the U.K. They definitely have a higher running population than the United States does. But it just goes to show how many people do not even attempt to run. So say you attempt to run, you sign up for that race, you run the race, you are a small portion of the population, ergo, you're a badass. I'm going to tell you, if you sign up for a race that's in the future, if you are couch to 5K or couch to half marathon, I would say set it out far enough where you feel like you have a good breadth of training to really lead up to it. That'll just really help your confidence and help your muscles recover a little bit better on race day because it hurts a lot the first time you're done with a half marathon. You'll just be better for it. Again, welcome to the You're Not Qualified podcast. My name is Courtney Heater. I'm your host. In this episode, we talk with Sean Robinson, who is incredibly inspiring, sober, lost 100 pounds, and is pursuing races, half marathons, has done, will do marathons. He's killing it, absolutely killing it. I wanted to release this episode as a bonus episode right before the new year. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Solstice. Warm Solstice. Whatever you celebrate, I'm happy you're here. I wanted to bring this right at the end of the year, coming into the new year, because as we know, this is when people set resolutions. They set goals. I am a big goal setter. I love doing it. Follow me on Instagram at YNQPod for more of an insight into the type of goals that I'm setting and what I'm going for in 2024. I hope that it inspires you to go for everything that you want to accomplish physically in 2024 as well. And I really hope that involves races. Endurance activities are for everybody, and I'm here to say that from the rooftops. Sean Robinson is also here to lay that into you and make sure that you enter 2024 with very lofty running goals, and we are here with you stride by stride. I cannot wait for you to listen to this episode. And again, Happy New Year. I wish you all of the success and happiness and just bright moments in 2024. Just remember, you do not have to go this alone. You have this podcast and you have family, you have friends, everybody around you is going to cheer you on and be part of your team in running. Let's go. As Mr. Sloman always says, there's no I in team, but there is an I in pie. In, there's an I in meat pie. So the anagram of meat is team. I don't know what he's talking about. Look, that's it. Okay, so tonight we are here with Sean Robinson. Sean is pretty new into the endurance sports world, which is very exciting. And I was telling Sean, but this is going to be the first recorded episode with the intent of the endurance series. And the other one was an encore episode with Lisa. So Sean, I'm so excited that you're here to kick this off with us. And thank you for being here. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me, Courtney. I've, I've been following along your, your first series. And it's funny, I felt a lot more related to where you're headed with, with your show. So it's almost perfect timing for me here too. Yeah, 100% agree. And you're coming from Toronto. And we were just saying that the, the Seattle Kraken are playing Toronto tonight. So some kindred spirits here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, was, I, I realized that just before logging on here. Like I was watching some of the game like, oh, I got to go. Yeah, you do. Is, or do you live close to? Well, no, you're a couple hours from Toronto. Yeah, so you have uh, to drive. I could be there probably in about an hour and a half. I could be to the rink on a, with no traffic. And Toronto's terrible for traffic. So it's usually bank on about two hours. 
Gosh. Yeah, no, I feel you there. Seattle traffic's just gotten worse. Now everybody's going back to office. It's a bit of a cluster out here. (laughs) So you, I know that you have a book that you wrote about your journey because you are sober. You've lost 100 pounds. You've had an amazing experience with really overcoming a lot of obstacles But in terms of, so we we can structure this conversation in two ways, a bit about your background, a bit about your book, and then we can get into the endurance running because I think that sets it up really well. But now that you're sober, do you have a moment that you can share where you knew that's what you needed to set your life in this direction you wanted to go? That, that, That moment was a compounding effect of a lot of moments and a lot of feelings, always being like, overweight a lot of my life and just feeling with no self-confidence and no drive to to do anything about it I I just it was like a an effect that I just kept building on and through drinking and through terrible diets and just not caring about my health it was easy for me to blame everything else so that moment culminated at the end of 2020 when I found myself at 320 pounds and just at my I call it rock bottom, but it was just at my worst moment and needed something to change. I had no energy. I've got three young kids and I just was miserable all the time. And it it was a lot of things. I I made a decision to remove alcohol from my life. And yeah, I wrote about it in, in a book and basically shared my journal from that period where I tried to get rid of it. And then just segue into more fitness and diet and just see how I feel. Mm -hmm. So I see the diet came after the going dry and you're like, wait, if I feel really good now, what if I keep going? Yeah. When I started to do that, it was a new year's resolution. And it was like, let's just see if I can do dry January. And then January became February and then a hundred days. And when I was creeping on a hundred days, I thought there's this, there's no way I'm ever going to do a full year. I'm already this far. Why don't I try and do 2021 completely sober? And wow. in, in there, just all the challenges I was, my buddy was getting married and I was in his wedding and he kept telling me, you better drink at my wedding. You better drink at my wedding. And just not sure where I was headed, how long I was going and just challenging myself to, to get to try things I'd never tried before. I'd been drinking or living like the same lifestyle since like early teens and not really thinking much about it. And at 36, when I started, it was like just challenging who I thought I was to not do those things or to do something different. Yeah. Removing alcohol journaling through that first year and then self-publishing my book from the journal about the challenges and, and what I went through that going sober and different things that I had tried during that period. And then the extension from that is where I've gone to since is yes, doing this running, getting more in shape, losing that weight, just becoming more positive and continuing with the theme of doing things that I didn't think were for me before, mm-hmm. or that were are going to challenge who I thought I was before. It lights me up when you say, I didn't think these things were for me, because that's just, that's how I frame this mindset shift right? Because you grow up and you see the athletes, you grow up and even now you have friends that run and you're like, I don't look like them. I don't have behaviors like them. I don't have habits like them. So this isn't for me. But then you completely pivot and you're like, wait a second, what if I just try? And you're like, maybe it could be. And then it is for everybody that wants it. That's the thing. It's you don't have to look like them to be able to do it. That, oh, that that's right. And getting into the endurance stuff and away from, because I found a lot of the feelings and that I don't belong here. And the, is this for me with not drinking alcohol in a bar with when mm. I'm in that environment? I felt similar to being in that uh, running in the neighborhood, forget even the, the organized race for a minute, but just running around the neighborhood and just all the windows and I'm picturing everybody standing in their window as I'm you know, running by and my form is off or my speed is off or I'm 300 pounds and I'm not doing it right or whatever version is going through my head. It's like just everyone watching me and, and not feeling like I should be doing it and just pushing through that feeling that I had and just forgetting about it, turning the music up or whatever I was listening to and just do it and forget about everybody that might be hanging out their window. Yeah. You're doing it only for you. 
Like it, there's nobody else, you and your kids and your family, but but yeah. nobody else's opinion even should have stock in that. And I really love that. But yeah, like it, it does feel like if I run around the lake in Seattle and people are passing me, I'm just, I'm a little bit down on myself, but then I remember that they probably have been running since they were in high school. When my mm-hmm. 10, nine minute pace is great <laughs> for somebody that literally started running a couple of years ago. So I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy that you started. That's so good for your writing your book. I know you said you published your journals, but it's still a process getting it all together, making it make sense to somebody that's reading it. Do you have any sort of writing background or are you an imposter there too? (laughs) Uh, No, I I definitely felt it at a place there too. I'd always did well in school and I I never kept a journal because I I work, I'm an electrician and Mm. volunteer firefighter and then very toxic masculine background and spin and space. And we don't talk about that stuff in those environments and journaling and there's just a lot of actually I just wrote in my blog last night I posted on my website that about journaling and, and where I was with it and and that was not something like writing was not something that I did for fun or leisure mm-hmm. um the, the the it started because of just how I was feeling mentally at that 320 pound uh, moment and it was like I just needed somewhere for the thoughts that people were tired of hearing, or I felt people were tired of hearing that I could put whatever down and beat myself up and say the things I was going to say or write it. And then I could reflect on it. If I wanted to, I could add to it. If I wanted to, I could light it on fire and it'd be gone. Like it, it was just a place for me to outlet. And then as I made these decisions and set these goals and without even knowing they were goals, it was just me trying to get from here to the end of January, February, whatever. And then different things, like I set a goal to try to brush my teeth twice a day for this hundred days when I started to learn about that lifestyle change and tracking it on the calendar and journaling about how these things were going that I was working on. It just that journal through that whole process of the year that was, and I'm still not drinking, but for the purpose of my book, it was that break for a year. And it was, it was taking all of that journaling that I maintained through that whole process and everything that I went through and just my buddy's wedding and my brother asking me why I can't have a beer because did you not get your coin yet? Just some real insensitive moments that maybe it's just people weren't thinking that it was as bad as it was, but taking Mm -hmm. that journal and then deciding that I, I shouldn't sit on it because I needed that when I was getting started. I needed a version of that when I was wondering how to figure it out and get started and do the 30 days or whatever. So I, I made the decision to, to get someone that I hired someone to help me with editing and different things. And then I self-published it in a way to give it back to where I used to be when I started to help someone that I know it's a common thing. So I was reaching out to who I used to be to help if it, uh, if it could use it. And it's called going dry. Yeah. Going dry. My path to overcoming habitual drinking. Okay. Focus more on the habit and routine form of it that I just felt I had to have it in certain moments at certain times, different kind of moments like that, that it was definitely holding me back from seriously being on a diet or getting on an exercise thing or running. It was part of a process that held me back and I didn't realize it until I didn't have it anymore. Yeah. So the year though, that you basically journaled for a year, you tracked it for a year. Are you planning, do you think on making a second book, writing a second book? I don't know if you journal still, but even your continued journey is very inspirational. I have, I've I've got a few ideas of where uh, a a version two could go. Um, Mm -hmm. There's obviously been so much with the, the diet and weight loss. And then just like my relationship with my family and my kids some generational traumas and stuff like Mm -hmm. some toxic masculinity. There's a lot of the different podcasts and stuff I've been on. There's so many different themes because of the variety of what I've been able to achieve personally in these three years. So the next book I've thought about, and I probably will journaling. I have kept some journaling and I've never been the type to journal every day. Like it was not something that like every morning in my routine, I had to make sure I journal. It was more one something happened or I thought something and more of a reflection as as uh, I went on. So I've done that still. And 
with my website and, and my blogs that uh, I've been putting. And then just with my video stuff on TikToks and, and whatever, it's just a lot of more video bl- blogging right. and, and written blogging form of journaling. To answer your question, there's definitely thoughts of where I could go with with a second mm-hmm. book, but I'm not quite sure where I want to narrow or if I want to make something mm-hmm. a little more broad to capture more of it. You have the other mediums though. So that's great. And you mm. continue to go on podcasts and talk about your journey. Are you familiar with a man called David Goggins? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Actually, <laughs> we were back and forth a bit about his book on, on Instagram. Oh, that's right. We were. Yeah. I listened to both of his books. Actually, the first one I listened to two or three times. Mm-hmm. And I think you just finished that one, right? Mm-hmm. I yeah. did. And your story, so your story reminds me of his journey a little bit and what you can offer in the same light, but with a different counterpoint in the fact that he is very, so I honestly, like, I really did love his perspective because it's different than my own on, Mm -hmm. I need to be all that is man. And I need to do this because I cannot show weakness. And then yours is the approach of it's absolutely okay to show feeling and emotion and what I'm thinking. And it's okay to fail sometimes, but I, they do like toe the line together, your journeys. And I don't know if you've felt a little bit of a kinship with him, but just like in a different way. (laughs) I have for sure. And while it is very hard to compare to David Goggins, like he's up there a world of his own and Mm -hmm. pushes as hard as he does. And it's very inspiring. It's very intimidating. Because to hold ourselves to that level is we should aspire all the things that we should hope for ourselves. But my thing with him was I can push myself a bit more because of how much he's able to do. So when I, especially running some of these marathons, half marathons, whatever, it's I can push a bit more in those moments and I keep those in my, in my cookie jar, as he calls it, uh, to pull out in those moments to say, this guy did his third tour of Bud's training on shin splints and broken feet or ankles, whatever. And it was like broken leg. Yeah. Yeah. I can push a bit harder in this organized street marathon because of what he went through. So I've definitely felt inspired by, by his content for sure. Yeah. A girlfriend of mine said the same thing. She's really into ultra marathons. And she said, when I feel like I can't go on, I think of David Goggins. And I was like, I guess he has a time and a place for everybody. It's, it's great. (laughs) I got quite the man. He is. I got through his second book and I was listening to the audio books because I've got about an hour commute to work each way. So I, I get a lot of time to to listen to a lot of content and I finished the audio book and I went to my brother-in-law. I was like, oh, we got to sign up for an ultra or some marathon. Yeah. He's let's just, let's do something, but maybe let's not go that far. I recommend it. Honestly, I had a blast. (laughs) Ultras are very fun. (laughs) I'm sure I'll get there if I keep going the way I'm going. But I think in that moment, he just wasn't ready for how fired up I was having just finished uh, Dave's book. Yeah, it does light a fire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. You've definitely talked about your past traumas. And there is research that shows the connection between those who have suffered past trauma and then go into endurance sports because you're effectively breaking your body down physically when you are in the past breaking it down emotionally in traumatic ways and mentally. So I definitely can see the links, but I suspect that they go hand in hand for you too. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think that's true. And and I definitely feel that. I know a lot of the the time when I was growing up and just being overweight a lot as a kid and finding myself at that 300 pound, whatever, it was like, I was, lifting weights to me was always intimidating. I never really knew mm. what the sequence was. There's so many different exercises and things and different angles and machines and free weights. And it was always very intimidating. So it, I always found myself comfortable with cardio. And even though they say don't always do cardio, it was like, but cardio is where I feel comfortable. And cardio is, I don't want to say it's easy because it can be, because you do what you can do if it's just a walk or if it's just, if you can get to a point you're jogging or running or whatever. But, but for me, it was easier because I knew how to do it. I didn't need a ton of coaching or to try and do research. It's still very intimidating to do it without a coach or a trainer. So 
Yes, I agree. It was probably a bit of a trauma response and and why I felt comfortable doing it. But it was also just because of that person that I was in that moment that just was going to something that I didn't need to feel vulnerable with somebody because I didn't know how to do the weights or I didn't feel comfortable with whatever version of training I probably should have been doing. Yeah, I've definitely heard a lot of that too, where if you want to see results, whatever results mean to you, you need to weight train, you need to, but I am of the same prescription as you is just move. And Mm -hmm. if it's something that you actually enjoy doing and you feel comfortable doing, then you're going to be consistent with it and consistency matters over everything. Yeah, uh, it's like they say, don't do a ton of cardio, but if you're doing cardio versus nothing, do cardio. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And it's good for your heart. (laughs) That's right. Is it really good for your body? Even though that's not, maybe not why you would lose weight, but it's so good for you mentally anyways. Mm, Yeah. Absolutely. I have three young kids, so it was, it was getting out. (laughs) I could listen to a lot of different shows and a lot of different music and whatever I was into. Yeah. And you can keep up with them a lot better now, I'm assuming. Yeah. And I, so much more energy and I'm so much more interested in playing soccer and hockey. Like they're, they're under 10, they're just three under 10. So 10, eight and three. So gosh, that's so much work. uh, It's busy. And and when I was in three years ago, before any of this started, just miserable and no energy, like it just wasn't, I didn't feel good and I didn't feel good about the version I was giving them either. Yeah. It's definitely been better that way. Yeah. That's so good. I love it. The, with your half marathon you started with, right? You, that was the first race you signed up for was a half? No, uh, no, the first, that was the first like real test. The first one I did was in the spring. It mm-hmm. was a 5k. I don't know what that is in miles. I looked like up 3. what 3.1. Yeah. 3.1. So mm-hmm. I did a five kilometer. It was, it was in April and it was a part of an organized run club near where I live. And basically I just got to a point where I was like, Cause I had been running around like the cottage, you know, roads or mm-hmm. uh, around my neighborhood. Like I had gotten to a point where I felt comfortable being out. I wasn't so worried about the people in their windows. I got in my own frame of mind, had my own like focus on. I started to learn about how we're not racing against anybody else. It's about, it's against ourselves and just yep. finishing the race and getting their rhythm and your breathing and all of the things that include in running and, and hiking and climbing and all of that. I was starting to feel a lot more comfortable, but I was like, I, I can't, I don't know, or, or running an organized event. That's not for me. I'm not that person. I don't belong there. So I signed up for this 5k and it was this nice first big spring race in April. It was going to be, it was just a true test for me. I was like, I'm going to do it because I've never done this before. Yeah. And I think I finished it in 30 six minutes or something. That's and, actually a really and, good 5k. <laughs> and jogged the whole thing, pushed. It was, I was so uncomfortable because I'm looking around and, and university town where, where I work and where this was, it was like a lot of students. So it was a lot of like, younger people mm. and just looking around, not feeling really like I belong there, but I'm, I'm determined, you know, I'm going to do it anyways. And for some reason, I thought that you couldn't listen to music or you couldn't have your headphones in when you raced. I saw that somewhere. And so I trained leading up to it, not listening to anything and feel like I struggled a bit. Cause it just, you know, I find that listening to something keeps me focused. It, it distracts me. I, I did it. And then it just, I had to have more, I had to try it again. I had to see if I could beat it. And I signed up for another 5k uh, a month later. It was a mental health charity one. So it worked out both ways. And that one I drove to my, like drove by by myself. The first one, my family was there and it was a really cool moment where they got to see me like coming down that final stretch and cross mm-hmm. the finish line and get some pictures. And and the second one I did by myself, it was just, I didn't have anybody to talk to leading up to it and just standing there and I didn't know anybody else. And because I didn't come from this space, there's no way I was going to know anybody else. And it was yep. like not right in my own town, but within half an hour. So if this was something I was used to doing, I'm sure I would have seen somebody and no, it was very awkward. <laughs> so then the third race, which would have been October, I just had it a couple months ago. That was the, the half marathon. Oh, this year. Wow. So I, I went from April 5k, May 5k, then October was the, the half marathon. That was the next big test for me. To, and I thought Canada, October, it's about, we're looking at cooler temperatures, except when I did the half marathon, it was like, uh, and I did the conversion, it was like 95 degrees. 
Fahrenheit. It was 36. It was not a typical October. So wow. the race had, uh, they didn't plan for that. So water ran out. They had uh, issues with, they were still post COVID planning. So they had bottles of water at every station and people would just grab a bottle, take a few swigs and chuck it. So they ran out. Um, there was some difficulties. And for my first marathon, not really having a concept for that distance other than yep. I ran around the house or neighborhood doing that. There was some even, there was more challenges that I didn't really plan for, but that signing up for that and, and getting to do that was like, was a big weight that I wanted to lift because I felt like I could do it. Um, one thing, and I took notes actually, cause I still, I didn't know anybody, but this one, they, they loaded us on a bus Everybody that was in this thing, it was multiple buses and they took us about for a 20 minute, half an hour drive, whatever it was, because you ran along this like shoreline and you went from one small county to the next and there was no big circles. You took this bus and you rode this half an hour and I wasn't really, I knew the neighborhood, but I wasn't really sure where the start line was. And then we're there for 45 minutes or an hour while we wait for the kickoff. And I'm looking around and not feeling like I belong there at all. Yeah. Taking my notes and just like waiting anxiously for this thing to start, wondering if I'm going to be able to finish it. Just all mm-hmm. of those thoughts and things going through my mind as the kickoff was coming up. And it was just like nobody that I knew was there. There was hundreds of people there, but I was all, all by myself alone. And then feeling like I don't belong here. I'm looking at all like the tall, skinny runners that have been doing it their entire life. And I'm like, that's not, and I know like you have to start somewhere. And I felt very confident in that moment and I had trained for it, but it was a lot of these people are going to find out I don't belong here. Someone's going to talk to me and I'm not going to know what to answer though. There's going to be some runner lingo I don't know about yet or something. Exactly. Yeah. Not going to know what to say. What the hell is goo? Yeah. And why are you Actually, I, had, <laughs> I had somebody like the day before when I got, when I picked up the race kit, I was like, they were selling the things and I was like, is this, should I have some of these? Is this, do you recommend these? Yeah. They, people use them like you, you want them and they, they were really good to give me some info on them up until that moment. I hadn't really tried them and mm-hmm. I had a few with me and because of the hydration issue and just how I felt, I was really glad I did. Oh man. And when you're running, your body is acting in ways, at least for me and a lot of other runners I've read about on Reddit, your body is acting in ways that it doesn't ever act outside of running. Your body is working so hard for you, but then you get things like, pardon my French, the running shits, and you get things like really bad headaches and you never get a headache and it could be dehydration. Mm -hmm. It could literally be that you got hungry because you were waiting 45 minutes to start and you ate something that you don't normally eat before a run. Like I have to be so very strategic because my stomach is so sensitive and I'm like, I will be in the woods for half of the race if I don't dial this. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. There was leading up to it. And thankfully there was a whole like line of porta potties but i was glad i went early enough because um everybody wanted to go after right everybody was doing that pre-race thing that they do but i there was a big lineup so it would have been very (laughs) uncomfortable if i missed that opportunity (laughs) (laughs) yeah it definitely would have especially in a town there's not really many places unless the businesses agree to let you use the restroom but yeah they had a few porta porta potties littered throughout i don't know what the distances were but there was definitely a few because it's just it wasn't right it wasn't through a town but it was in a county and portions of it were populated but then you had some countryside and it was a really nice run for the the background and stuff the heat not so much but yeah they had a few kind of along the path so you could use them but they were lined up too i didn't Mm -hmm. need them luckily but there was definitely some people using them and while i wasn't entire I was more focused on finishing especially when it was that hot but it was definitely more about finishing than it was beating any kind of time I didn't have a benchmark for myself I do now like I I finished it it was two hours 45 minutes so now I know what I need to beat next time Mm -hmm. and it was yeah just about it was just about finishing i just wanted to to even with that heat i needed to just make sure that i got to a point where i could cross that finish line no matter what time it took me cuz i was determined i, I was going to finish a half marathon this year 
Yeah. It's funny. I think that your final time is like maybe a minute off of, I think I was like two hours and 46 minutes when I did my first half marathon. And then there was a fluke of a year that I did two hours and 15 minutes. And I was like, I don't know how the hell I did that, but I don't know if I can replicate that. But now my goal is under two hours. And I know that those are, that's hard. Mm. You have to break it down like 13 miles. And that's just a really fast pace that I can't keep up. I'm not a fast yeah, especially runner. if it's 95 <laughs> degrees, that wouldn't be good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, I signed up for a half marathon at the end of April, but, and then I was so excited because it's going to be nice and chilly, but then every time I do this and I forget that you have to train in the winter for that kind of stuff, like it depends, like the training is what you really have to think of. And I was like, shit, it's going to be cold. <laughs> That's where I'm at now because the 5k that I did originally, it's part of a, like a race weekend. Mm-hmm. So they have a 5k, a 10k, they do, I think a 1k for the kids, whatever they, I don't remember the age group, but the, and then they've got their half marathon. So when I got through that one in October and I remember the weather from that first one I did, it was like, oh, that, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And yeah, same thing. I'm like, oh, I got to do the training over the winter. <laughs> yeah. And you're from farther north than me. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Toronto's farther north than Seattle, but you guys probably get a lot of snow. Yeah, it's. We do, we can, we do sometimes, some years, like some years it's like, I, I remember as a, not quite cause I needed it, but as a joke, like I cut my grass on Christmas Eve a few years ago. Cause it, I was with the, my boys, they were very young, had toy lawnmowers. So we were joking, got some silly pictures cutting the grass on Christmas Eve, but then other years, yeah, it's just last year. It was actually the County where I ran the half marathon was like shut down because of snow Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember what your most painful mile was during your half? The most painful was probably about about the halfway point, maybe about the nine mile, maybe a little more than halfway, because I felt really good. I brought, I had my waist belt and I have since bought a vest, the water, so I won't have that problem again. But I had a belt with a couple of small bottles on it. And basically you tried to ration it, used one up in the first half. And I had one of the little energy packs, but then because of that heat, I struggled about the, the, the nine mile mark and I really tried to push. And, and I did, I, like, I was able to push a bit more than I needed to. I still felt good, but I got more in my head about not finishing yeah. because like I've been on a volunteer fire department for 20 years and I've been around a lot of like medical uh, incidents over the years and and I just I got into my own head about heat stress and not being able to finish I definitely let myself take a not take a break I didn't sit down but I just let myself walk for a bit get a little bit more hydrated I actually planned it with the shade of the trees so that I could jog a run in between the sunny parts and then just enjoy more of the shade for that few seconds or few minutes It was for me, it was just, I was more proud of being able to finish it than beating any kind of time. That hard part for me was definitely after I got through that first bit, through that first water bottle and got to a point where I just nine mile range. The, and the feeling afterwards, after finishing, regardless of time, like you cross the finish line for a split second. I think that so many people, this is why I think people should run is you feel like you can do anything. And then you uh, sign up for a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you always regret it in the moment. But mm. it was such a special moment crossing that finish line for both my own personal goals and, and development. But like my family was there, my wife, and my three kids. And my wife was really cute. She had the kids do up signs. So they <laughs> they colored these little signs and they actually did it for the five of my first race, the 5K that I did. And so like I'm crossing the finish line and as, as I'm getting close and there's all these people on the side, like I can see the, the bundle of them and I go over as I'm running and I give the, them each high fives and they've got these little signs that say, go dad. And I cross the finish line and then they come over and I, they just gave me this finish medal after I was done. And then I, each of my kids wanted to wear it. Each of them was taking a turn and it was really cool for them to see me do that, especially yeah. because that wasn't who I was before. So this yeah. person now that they see and and being my daughter at three years old, probably she'll remember, but through pictures more than anything, but like my eight-year-old, 10-year-old boys that like are influenced by this stuff, that's going to be huge for them. And and 
I didn't have that when I was growing up. I didn't, I think the most I had was beer league, baseball and hockey, like different things mm-hmm. my parents did that were very much around like the social part of it versus the sports part of it. So that was a lot of the reason I didn't have that like influence to then grow up and become into sports or with confidence to do these things. It was so like really cool for me to be able to share that with them, but then also give me that and them that at the same time. So you didn't run in high school or college or anything. We didn't really touch on that. What's your sports background? So sports background, I always, I was always active, like a kid, we always played hockey in the driveway, basketball in the driveway, just like we were outside all the time. I played like house league sports, uh, hockey, baseball, just basically, uh, I don't know if you call it the same thing, but you just, everybody that, that wants to play can play and the teams are fair. So anybody can play. You don't have, it's not like a, a rep team or. Oh yeah. Um, I- I think it's recreational here, like rec. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So like a rec league where, so there really wasn't a lot of pressure to be good or to anybody could play. So I felt fine in that world. Uh, It was good. I didn't want to make my parents pay a bunch of money to put me in these other teams. And it it was like a comfort zone. I could still play, but I didn't have to perform. Stretch. Yep. And then, so I didn't try out for other teams because I just wasn't feeling very confident. I didn't want to get turned down, show up and try out and then not make it and just have that, that feeling. So I really, I wore it mentally probably more than I needed to. So growing up, I, I played the, the recreation sports. I played pickup hockey, which is just for fun. Any group that wants to go out and play, uh, usually my buddies would put on a, a group we'd go and um, when the the, the water would freeze over play some old school hockey on the lakes or whatever and mm-hmm. that was the extent of it every when I started going through like a in different versions of diets and exercise as my yo diet through my life went it was like I'd use that cardio like I said earlier because it was comfortable I could yep. go there and I could know that if I was going to walk or I was going to run or I was going to do any of these things for cardio fitness it would help me lose weight it would help me feel better and and it did but it just wasn't with whatever else I was doing at the time, it just wasn't sustainable. So I'd find myself back up again. Yeah. And you don't prioritize it. And that's the thing too, that I find with folks that have grown up with sports is they have the mindset and the mentality already to prioritize it. They like know how to fit it into their schedule. They know that they have to, they know that they have to train to get better. And as an adult, you are learning all of these things. So you have to so quickly, but it's also not already in your schedule. It's not already something that you would just normally be like, yes, of course I have to, if I want to train for a half marathon, I'm going to have to run this many miles a week, but you have to have time for that. And you have three kids. So yeah, it's just not something that you're used to. No. And, and even just something as what to use for equipment, right? Like there's mm-hmm. so much online, but like when you go and buy a pair of running shoes, there's more than just buying a pair of running shoes. Yeah. When I ran the half marathon, I had a pair of Solomon running shoes and I thought they were supposed to be good and they were, but they were older, they were worn. So I ran the half marathon with these like pitiful shoes I'd find out later. And my feet were sore. Like they were mm-hmm. like blisters everywhere. Sore. So I went into one of the sponsors for a lot of the local races, one of the shoe apparel companies, small business. I went in there and I was like, I don't even know what to ask for. Can you help me? Like I got all these blisters. I just, I know there's going to be some of that, but this is, this can't be this bad. And this woman working there, she watched me walk found out which angle my feet was on. I tried a bunch of things really thorough helping me find these shoes and after I I tried some it was like walking on pillows like I didn't even (laughs) I'm more eager to try another and I've ran a 10k I ran a 10k beginning of November beginning of this month which was my last organized one and I had those shoes and and it was so much better. Like I'm, like eager, to do, I'm <laughs> eager to do a half marathon in April just for that feeling on my feet and not being 90 degrees. Yeah, see, it's only up from here. That's right. <laughs> it only gets better, but you do have to suffer. That builds some character. I think that's probably a David Goggins quote. <laughs> yeah, Suffering yeah. is, it's needed. It's part of the, the whole recipe of it. 
and there's no but shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. Yeah, that's true. One of my one of my personal mountaineering heroes, Ed Vestier, he's a Seattle guy. He has a book, No Shortcuts to the Top. <laughs> and it's so true. There's no shortcuts. No. If you, you want to do it, you got to do it. Yep. Yeah. You got to do every step. So you did mention you get to the end of the line and we feel very accomplished. You feel very accomplished. And obviously running has changed your life in a lot of ways. How has it helped you outside of running for your belief in yourself? I can do this. Like it, it really, it really gave me that confidence to say that to myself and mean it. And even though at the beginning of that, it was a cool thing that I did with not having anyone to talk to and not knowing anybody <laughs> leading up to the, the the half marathon, having my phone. Cause I, I ran with it in my uh, pocket cause uh, I didn't want to put it in that belt thing I was wearing. So I had my phone and I took notes in my phone and then I took notes after just like how I felt going into it, how I felt coming out of it. And just like all of the things, the spotlighting that I did, that everybody's looking at me and everybody's judging me when nobody knew I was there. Right. Just the thing that I think is natural that we do. Mm -hmm. We feel everybody's watching us. And then just like comparing myself to others and doing all of those things and feeling like I didn't belong and, mm-hmm. and all my self-doubt, like all of the things I felt leading up to that race. And then just like afterwards, how all of that went away because I knew I could do it. I knew that I did it. And then, and like crossing that finish line, even for those five K's and for the 10 and anything else that like we can push ourselves to do, it's like getting to that point. We, we test ourselves and we get there and then it's like that confidence builder that that we create and i've taken that into a lot of other things and especially because of how much i've been able to work on with my development it's like all of those things help me get to that point too so carrying the habit structure and testing myself and trying things i've never tried before and allowing myself to to entertain or think about being something that i wasn't used to before has carried me into these other things to learn what i do and don't like like through through our influences and through my influences it was like I believed what I believed. I knew what I knew. I liked what I liked because that was what I had around me for my whole life. That's what people around me were doing. That's what my family was doing. It was like, we do those things. We like those things because that's just how we're developed. But Mm -hmm. you may not know that you are an artist. You may not know that you are someone that can journal or that you're a runner or that you're into climbing. It's just we don't know these things because they weren't part of who we were before and we weren't open to trying them until we were. And now you're just so much more adept at trying new things. It's because you, you've been in very painful spots with your body and mentally. So it's like you can overcome so much more. I love that a lot. Where do you find the motivation to keep running? So you did sign up for a marathon, you said. I signed up for another, actually, I'm going to sign up for the half. It's not open yet for mm-hmm. April. And then I want to challenge myself to the the full marathon by October, which is the one that I just did. So the, so a the, year uh, from now about a year. Yeah. About a year from now, I'm thinking if I can train through the winter, see what that's <laughs> for the April half. And then I signed up for a run club that they have a bunch of different events. There's a, a bunch of different hill climbs. There's different distances. There's different challenges. One, like you can run in pairs. So see if I can find somebody for that, but there's different events that they have. And it's, there's different run clubs that they do like Monday nights or Wednesday nights and they do socials after. So there's a very uncomfortable future for me to go out with people I don't know. And I'm going to push myself to start doing some of these things just to to meet some people that otherwise wouldn't have met before. And it's in an effort to both come outside of the shell that I've been in, but also to get to that point where, because I've already been learning off of, I haven't not been talking to people about it, Mm -hmm. going in and being in these environments, surround myself with the people that I'm trying to be more like or to learn from. I'm going to learn about the shoes. I'm going to learn about the the energy packs. I'm going to learn about hydration and, and things that we won't find online because the different versions of what everybody else is doing. And in, in that, you know, conversation and in that environment is where we're going to pick up a lot more than 
you know, we would have, if we didn't do any of this stuff. Yeah. It sounds like a big hurdle for you is the social aspect of it, right? Because you are there and you don't know anybody. You've said that a lot. And then you're trying to find people with mind to pursue running in, in competitive ways, like a race. Do you think that's been your biggest hurdle is just you running is a solo sport that it really is, but you want mm-hmm. camaraderie. So it's just like hard mental game. Yeah, I, I think so. I think like the 10K actually, I met someone, I didn't realize that this person was running, but someone through work that, that they look after some projects at, you know, one of the hospitals we work at and he was involved and I saw his name on one of the the sign-up sheets and I, I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, are you, like, this is you, right? And so we were talking, texting back and forth leading up to the 10K that I did this, just this month. And so when we ran it, I started talking to him the day of, and he, he, he ran in this group that I just joined, but he was ahead of me in this race. And, I, and we went through down this one section and, and come back. So he was on his way back and I was running and I just, he just gave me this thumbs up in that moment. And it was just like, if, if we didn't know each other and then just to, to speak for a second, the crew that watches these races and the people that run in these races is an absolute, like, it is the coolest thing when everyone is supporting everyone else. There is strangers and family members that are cheering on everybody that runs by. And there's people that were out there with hoses spraying just to help people out. And it was such, such a cool moment for that. But just this moment of this guy I knew from work, just giving me that thumbs up as I'm like pushing myself up around the, the eight kilometer mark to, to go up this hill and come back down. It was just such a, it was such a good thing because it helped me push a bit more, but it was yeah. also like just a little bit of belonging that I felt in that moment too. Yeah. the Yeah. It's just such a cool, it's one of the coolest atmospheres I think you can be a part of is everybody cheering each other on, even though you are in a battle with yourself, you're only after your own good time, like in terms of how fast you run the race, but everybody is so willing to help and be there, cheer you. And everybody has been where you have been. If they're Mm -hmm. faster than you, they've been in your shoes, not being as fast as the person lapping them. So, because it's just such a journey. Like, even if they did it in high school, they they had to have done it sometime to try to get better at running, but it's just, it's such a cool sport because there's everybody's suffering, but we're all suffering together. Yeah. And it's encouraging having everybody going through that stuff together. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, you're right. Everybody has to suck at something first before you yeah, can you be do. good at it. It, it. As soon as we remember that one, we're not comparing ourselves to everybody around us. And two, like you said, we have to to get to that point by starting somehow. And and in that starting point, it's it's hard to get started. But then to get from the point where you're signing up for the race to actually doing it, there's a lot of growth there. There's a lot that helps, definitely. Yeah, I am a person, I want to be really good at something when I try it the first time. That's just my personality. I think a lot of people are like that. But there is something about running. There's something about endurance sports that humbles the crap out of you. And you realize that you are not going to be the best. You're not going to be the fastest, but that's really good for you. And Mm -hmm. all it does, as you just said, is it makes you grow and it makes you become just a much better, well-rounded person, I think, because you can't be the best right away. You have to start somewhere that also makes people not want to do it. Because they're afraid. They're like, I'm never going to be that good. Like, why even try? Or that person's so fast. It's You don't see the hours and hours and hours that people are putting into this thing to be the best. I yeah. promise you they're suffering. They just suffered like you are a long time ago. Yeah. And yeah, you, we, we have no idea of knowing what mm. other people have gone through, what their experience is. And, and it's not about, I'm sure it'd be, be nice to be able to win those things, but it's a different kind of uh, achievement when you're mm-hmm. going to try something you've never tried, or if you've done it before, but then you've got that time you're trying to beat and you're trying to maybe challenge yourself by the people around you, but not in a way that you're in direct competition, but more friendly, Yeah, be beating your old time or this race club and talking to, to, to this friend of mine. And he was pushing himself to gain some points on that, that 10 K race, because he was trying to catch up to somebody else that they were having this playful thing back and forth. And then it was, 
it was very eye-opening when I started to get into the this space and start doing these races and thinking about carrying on with it because I always thought that somebody has to win the game, right? It's the point is to win the game. The point is to win the race or when this in the case of first, second, third place, but it's a win when you can do it, right? And just competing against yourself, competing against your beliefs of where you, you used to come from or where you like what you feel you're capable of is like the hardest part. It was the hardest part for me was to just be around people that I wasn't used to being around before and do something that like people around me might have thought I didn't need, I didn't belong there or whatever. But then you start to find community because you start talking to people and then you start doing run clubs and you realize that people are just really excited about your own success. And that's, it's, yeah, you're right. It's not like every other sport where it's like a team against a team and somebody actually wins it's nobody wins well yeah you have the first the fastest person in the race but i bet you a lot of them are coming back through and like high-fiving everybody else coming through so the 10k the guy that won it Mm -hmm. some would think it was this was cocky right some would think my old self the way i used to be i would have thought that he was doing this to just rub it in but i've grown from that he (laughs) ran back one extra kilometer to to just encourage people to, to keep yeah. going, right? Like the people that were in the back half of the, the race or that hadn't made the finish line yet, like he was running back and just was going to be with the, the pace person at the back of the line to just encourage people. He was, I had my music on, but they could see him talking and jogging along with people just to say, and I didn't know this guy had won until we got back, but like he was just, I think he was just being a good guy, just helping people yeah. push to get there. I think he was. He doesn't have to. There's other ways to be cocky. <laughs> he didn't have oh, to go yeah, back yeah. and continue running. Right? Yeah. But that's like where I used to be in that like really negative mindset that I was in before I started all this like development. It was like I would have seen that in that moment and felt like that was some sort of attack. And, and that's just where my mind went. But I, I know this time I was like, that actually, especially when I found out he won. So I was like, okay, this guy got first place. And then he went. And was just trying to like clap for people as they pushed themselves through the last kilometer. It was cool. Quite beautiful. I wonder if he was part of a race where he wanted to win someday. And then the winner did that. And he was like, one day when I win, I'm going to go back through and give everybody encouragement, run back. That's very cool. You don't see that every day. I was in a half marathon where people were dressed up as different types of bugs <laughs> and I actually don't remember why it wasn't like a dress up marathon, but they were all like caterpillars and later bu- ladybugs and a bumblebee. And I think there were four women and three of the women finished quite early. And then they ran all the way back through to go like fetch the bumblebee <laughs> and bring <laughs> the bumblebee over to the finish line. But I remember seeing them like three times and I'm like, what are you doing (laughs) and they're like oh we're gonna go get our friend and then we're gonna go back down I was like you don't have to do that you're running extra but it was camaraderie it was because they wanted to encourage the bumblebee friends because it was might have been her first race and that's going to stick with them forever and help them get back out there so that's really awesome and someday Sean when you win first place you could go (laughs) yes I will definitely be clapping for people and cheering them on i I even said because there's a january run they do and i'm not sure i want to do the winter thing i'm not sure i'm there yet but in the snow and ice i I said i'd probably help out if i decided i didn't want to do it i'd volunteer to to help because then there's definitely that side of it too right yeah there is you can volunteer to hand out the gatorade those people are the stuff or set it up be the, I don't know about one of the pace people, but we'll see. Yeah. There's a lot of different opportunities and that's even, it's very rewarding in itself. Yeah. We're coming up on time, but I'm very, I want to hear a pitch from you. So really we've had a lot of discussion around why people should get into long distance running, but to really nail it and drive it home, why should people join this cult? What's your pitch? For me, it started just by walking, just by getting out in my own thoughts, listening to some music at my heaviest 
And it developed from there as I grew more confident, as I started losing weight and started to try jogging and doing between driveways or short distances or timed or whatever version of that. And it was a way for me to work on my development without being held to a time clock or to any other person, or I could do it in my neighborhood. It was free. I don't, I didn't need to sign up for anything for it. So many times we we hold ourselves back because we don't want to pay for that membership or we don't want to pay for that coaching, or maybe we can't afford either. And it's running and walking and all of those things is free. The only thing is whether you have the drive or the push to do it when it's raining or do it when it's cold or just do it because you don't want to. But Mm -hmm. for me, it was just getting out, going for that walk. And then the walk became much more. And all of a sudden, as time went on, I'm, I'm jogging, I'm running, I'm feeling good about distances and I'm challenging myself to more things. And it was a way for me to carry on that development, adding to it as I got comfortable and then testing myself when I was ready for that too. And my pitch to anyone is that is the way to do any lifestyle change. That is the way to do any sort of personal development is, is just taking that item, whatever it is we want to work on, break it down that small piece and add to it. Running for me became almost the same as what I was doing with everything else, except I was outside. I was enjoying the time away from my chaotic family of small children and just, (laughs) you know, feeling good about the progress I was making. And yeah, those moments in the race and and to add to the community that, that is in running. And we talked about that cheers people on that volunteer, that, just come out to support and see the, the finish line and, and to watch the clapping, watch the cheering and watch the environment is is so supportive. It's really been a huge eye opener for me. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And I would really encourage people to follow your path of journaling, journal how you feel. I know it all, it wasn't all about running, but journal how you feel. And then if you take something like a tracker, even if you have a watch or on your phone, something to document your running. And then it gets very fun to see your progress. And then it becomes a little bit more of a, like almost a consistency goal. It's, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So this week I ran three miles. What if I made five miles next week? So it becomes a really fun challenge for yourself. And I think that the journaling also is really top notch. It's just, how do I feel? And then check in yourself and then push yourself a little bit. You don't have to push yourself to an ultra marathon overnight. Absolutely not. But just start with run around the block between driveways, as you said, and then sign Mm -hmm. up your 5k and then your 10k and it's, and then it becomes a little bit addictive. So you'll be fine. It it definitely (laughs) does. uh, But it's like, if we think about the marathon or we think about the ultra, we think about anything on on the big picture, we're going to hold ourselves back. We're not going to do it because like you said, I agree to, we want to win. We want to be good at yeah. things when we get started. We want that first, but we don't know what other people have done to get to that point. And we don't know what we have to do. It can't be about that marathon. It has to just be about going outside. It has to just be about, I started a bit of a slogan on a lot of my stuff is just put your shoes on. Don't mm-hmm. worry about going for that walk. Don't worry about that part of it. Just put the shoes on don't even, and then as you get comfortable putting your shoes on, then maybe you're walking to the mailbox and then maybe you're down the street and all of a sudden it's been months and you're feeling good about running some longer distance, just piece it together. And maybe one day you don't feel like you're doing that when you're keeping your tracker up and just putting your shoes on is enough to circle the day on the calendar and you're, you're still keeping your streak together. Absolutely. And then adopt a dog because they'll make sure you get outside and get your steps. My dog, I don't know if you heard the thud. She fell off the couch. I think she (laughs) fell asleep and now she came over and she's, am I okay? (laughs) You're fine. Scared me. But yeah, that's, it's so accurate. And I love your journey. Good luck in all of your races. We'll keep up on Instagram and I'm really excited to see where you go. It's just been such an honor to know you and I'm cheering for you. Like this is very cool stuff and just keep going. Yes. Thank you. And, and same to you. I'm, I'm following your next big climb and eager to see where, where you take your journey as well. Thank I you. It. Where can people find you right before we sign off? My, my best place is my website, seanrobinson.ca. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, 
a lot of those platforms, but I, I reference everything on my website. I'm, I'm building it up uh, as we go. I've got a blog. I'm up to three, three. I think I try to do one a month. Um, trying to post as much as I can on my website, but uh, most of my tags are all going dry. So at going dry okay. uh, across most of those or, or my website. Perfect. Thank you again for your time. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the You're Not Qualified podcast, you capable babes. I'm very excited that you made it to the end of this episode. I would love to hear from you if you feel inspired by the stories that you hear on this podcast. If you feel inspired by this particular one, please drop me a line. I can be reached by email, ynqpod at gmail.com. I am most active on Instagram. The handle is at ynqpod. Please drop me a DM there. I love chatting with you all. Write a comment, anything you'd like. I just want to hear what you think. If you think that you'd be a great fit for this podcast and you want to come on and tell your story of how you overcame imposter syndrome, please get in touch. Or if you know of somebody that you think would also love to tell their story, get them in touch with me. would love to hear from them. If you like what you hear, I love it when you subscribe. So please do so or follow me depending on what platform you're listening on. And also leave a review. Spotify does this really fun thing now where you can actually leave a review after a prompt. It's a really exciting way to get engaged. I realized it not too long ago when scrolling through Spotify that they let you put prompts as the creator. And I would love to hear from you. So please just get in touch. Let's get involved. I am so excited that you are even listening. And I really, really, really hope that this inspires you to get out and do that damn thing. Go do everything that scares you. You are way more capable than you think you are. I promise you. Again, friends, thank you so much for listening. Go do that thing. I will see you very soon. Bye.